Hi, I'm JD. This is Chimera Cast, a production of the Chimera Collective. If you enjoy our podcast, please consider leaving us a review on your favorite podcatcher. We also have merch available and just launched our Patreon. For backing, you'll gain access to our Discord and the ability to vote on upcoming seasides. You can also get an RSS feed for an unabridged tableside version of the podcast, which includes all our banter, rules discussions, and session debriefs. We'll also have game readings and occasional exclusive seasides in that feed. Links to the details and our social media are in the show notes. Hi, I'm Zach. I'm playing Emilio Moretti, the Bard. Hi, I'm Ryan. I'm playing Urazidi, the Spellblade. Hi, I'm Nathan. I'm playing Kimmon Belaskis, the Shaman. I'm JD. I'm your Dungeon Master for this game. This is ChimeraCast, a Dungeon World actual play podcast. last left off the three of you had just finished a big fight with a mummy and its skeleton dwarf guards i believe everybody got pretty banged up in this one and kimmin you just had to roll since you hit zero hp you rolled death leech the custom move replacing last breath and got a seven which means your material body is returning and you are effectively alive, but your soul is not exactly tethered correctly to your body anymore. So what is sustaining you now is the necromantic energy of the vulture lands. Cool. So I think we're going to drop back in right at that moment. Kimmin returning back to life. Does Urazidi see the sort of mystical qualities of what happens to Kimmin? In the sense that the shadow magic that you like yeah, used yeah. to kill the priest, I don't know if you would necessarily know, just in the heat of the fight, if like you knew that it was your spear that hurt Kimmin, because it could have been some other spell or something, right? Oh, I meant, because we're coming back with him coming back from the death, and yeah, I guess I was more wondering, do I, because you like described it as almost like uh, his soul being connected to his body by puppet strings. Sure. And that's that's what I'm wondering if I saw. Probably not, given that that's not really your realm. Gotcha. Yeah. I guess I'd rather just like give that to Kimmin to explain to you guys. If Kimmin even knows exactly what's going on, that's up to you. Kimmin can feel it, whether or not he understands the intricacies of the situation, but for somebody whose entire grift, I guess, is understanding the balances between the mortal and spirit realms, I, I think he'd understand that there was a desync here. So yeah, where we had left off, Kimmon had slumped off of these spikes that had shot up out of the ground that he was suspended on, and after a few seconds, he just snaps up. <gasps> Something's wrong. I'm probably making my way over. I'm gravely wounded, but, you know, check on my compatriot who I saw take a mighty blow. Kimmon, you all right over there? Kimmon's fishing around in his hair for a piece of soul glass, looking at his hand through it. No. What's wrong with you? I'm desynced. You're de what? Desynced. I'm not. I'm not in my body. Fuck. What happened? This place has a strange interaction with the spirit world. <laughs> you mean like, uh. You died for a minute? Yeah. But you came back. Not right. Yeah. Kimmon's like getting to his feet and then slumps forward and stumbles and falls back onto his ass. Not sure if I told you. I died for a minute too. When I took a tumble off the side, fell down into the river. Thought I saw what was the end of me. I uh, 
didn't, though. But I, I don't feel weird about it. Are you sure you're not just shaking up? I'm sure. Well, can we do something about it? I guess I'd rather not have one of my... <sighs> Kevin smiles. Companions, half dead. For what it's worth, I think I'm all the way dead. Not sure, though. JD, is my body functioning normally? Yeah, there's no physical manifestations at this point. Okay. How's your connection to Babadia? We'll find out tonight during our <coughs> chat. I tap on the pendant containing Babadia and here's hoping he's in a talkative mood. Speaking of, night. Urizidi has collected the lantern and he's like opened the aperture all the way so that it's like light all the way around. Mm. We should rest. There's no sense pressing on now. Just, we're tired. You two got very beat up. I'm fine. I think the camera shows that Rizidi is very not fine. <laughs> yeah, I think we're making camp. Yeah, for sure. Go ahead and pull up the camp in the Vulture Lands move. When you decide to set up camp in the Vulture Lands, establish roles for your party and have each role in turn. Describing the scene and interacting with your party members as you go. So who's going to be the scout? Who's going to find the spot where you can camp? It ain't going to be me. Urzidi is already, like, tallying up supplies. Mm. Well, looks like that's me, then. You sure you don't want to go uh, find us somewhere to hole up for the night? I thought you said you were in pretty good condition. Precisely. I am in pretty good condition. Which is why I shouldn't be the one who goes wandering away from home base. I'm our fulcrum, our pivot point. You need me to be where if you yell for help, I can come help you, or you can retreat back to me. But if I go gallivanting off, you won't know where I am. It's best if I stay here. Spoken like someone who's never risked their neck for anything. And I just turn around and walk off. <laughs> Urizidi looks at the three things which I'm pretty sure he killed all of and he's like what? <laughs> doing a very faux offended act but he's actually offended alright I'm looking and he searches for a safe spot to set up camp and establish a perimeter roll plus wisdom that's a six <laughs> my wisdom zero Emilio you are making your way trying to find maybe like a point where a couple of these stones have collapsed next to each other something that kind of creates some sort of barrier right something that will protect you so as you're poking along and around and see that broken hand that was kind of the centerpiece of that last fight where there was a dead rat corpse it's not anymore there's no corpse there and as you come around a corner of these boulders Lunging out at you is a clawed rat hand and a gurgling as the dead black eyes of this rat reflect this gleaming light that's scattered from Uruzidi's torch. What do you do? I use its own momentum against it and trip it with my bare foot as it comes at, I don't know, how small is this thing? Maybe five feet tall. They're like four to five feet tall generally. Cool. Yeah, as it's like coming at me with its scrapey claws and stuff, I'm just going to grab one of its hands nimbly and like throw it over my leg. Get over there. You're tripping it, basically, yeah? Yeah, I'm tripping it. Yeah, give me a Defy Danger plus Dex, that reads to me, unless you want to push for something else. Nope. Eight. You go to grab this rat's arm to use its momentum against it, right? And as you grab it, I think the arm just kind of wrenches off and comes tearing away much more quickly than should be happening. Like, this shouldn't be a rotted corpse, but somehow it kind of already is. And it tears away at the elbow, and you're holding a rat arm. And it scrambles at you ineffectually, but is not, you know, pushed away. It's just, it takes time for it to figure out that it doesn't have that hand anymore (laughs) to scratch you with. And you're holding a rat hand. What do you do? I think I go, ugh! And then, with the unwieldy hand, I just club the rat over the head with its own arm. <laughs> yeah, just give me a defy danger plus strength, I think. I don't think I need this to be a hacking slash. Eight. 
As you are smashing against this arm, snaps in a couple of pieces and bits of it go flying everywhere. Pieces are coming off the rat as well as you two are kind of shuffling around each other more than anything else. It's not really nimble enough to be getting you, whatever magic is animating it. But the two of you are sort of deadlocked and you've smashed down this arm to pieces. You're kind of holding a sack of flesh in your hand at this point. Well, now that my improvisational weapon has been rent asunder (laughs) through the savage blows and beatings of my powerful strength, we're in a tense moment. I'm in fight or flight mode. I grab for something, just a blunt object, to try and beat this thing in the head. I grab into my pack, trying to get a weapon, and I pull out this skull that I've had since, like, the beginning of this journey. And I just beat that living hell out of this rat with this skeleton head. Why did you have a skeleton head from? I don't They're cool. I probably picked it up, you know. You were hoping to prove that it's like the missing link kind of thing. Yeah. Even though it was clearly not. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to bash its skull with a skull. Yes. Give me a defied injury plus strength again then. Hey, that's an 11. Yeah, there you go. That's much more definitive. I mean, you smash this thing's head in quite thoroughly, and and at that right, it falls into a heap again. Just a massive rat flesh and gore. Skin from where it was cut down its chest is, like, all hanging open. Yeah, I think you get a real vulnerable moment of me. I beat into its skull with the skull savagely, right? And it's just, like, keep beating it. It's long since past twitching. The only flails that are coming from it are the force of my blows. And then when I finally stop, you just get these. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Fuck this place. Because it scared the shit out of me. I'm tired of this. I just got ambushed twice, you know? Especially when you're exhausted, trying to find a place to fucking sleep. And things just keep squiggling their way out of the dark. But this area seems potentially safe, or what? There's now a rat corpse in the middle of it, but you're behind a couple of blocks that have crashed and fallen, but they seem stable and everything. But it's, you know, blocking the main stair view, and it's blocking the view to the the hand and everything. So it's like a relatively safe nook at this point. Zidi, bring Kenan over here. I found an advantageous position for us to camp. I imagine you silhouetted in the lantern light still holding the skull and shaking a little bit. Absolutely. In my bare feet. Sort of set up in the nook by the hand. Excellent. Well, then we're going to pass things on to the manager. Uruzidi, when you take inventory and hand out supplies, roll plus int. Uruzidi is cooking. And I think that Urzidi is actually an okay cook growing up in the palace. I think his knife skills are like rudimentary, but he like knows how to make decent food. Until he could learn magic, spending time in the kitchens was probably the only thing that actually made him kind of happy in his upbringing because everything else was like preparing to be king. And that's obviously not Urzidi's bag. So yeah, I'm cooking some curry like thing up here in this little nook. Go ahead and roll it. That is a 12. Damn. Okay. On a 12, choose one. Gain an extra 1d6 HP or dispense some reflection about your travels and everyone marks 1 XP. And then after that, you guys will all be able to rest, heal HP, and level up. Oh, okay. Plus 1d6 HP. I think that's what we need now more than we need. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what it's there for. What have you been saving that makes this extra hearty, that makes this meal more fortifying than normal, right? Because, like, you guys are living on pretty sparse supplies, but I'm interested in the thing that... It's drugs. Yeah, no, that's exactly what it is. Um, So, uh, Rosini has brown glint, which is usually used to, like, drink more, right? It's, it's like, Mm. it's an upper, but it doesn't have, like, the insane, like, an insane high. It People just use it to, like make themselves be able to drink more. And so it's got like a a constitutional, like kind of boosting quality to it, right? Like, oh, I I feel better. Like I can keep going. Uh, I mean, like what it's used for a lot of the time, actually, I feel like is pushing people beyond their physical ability. I'm sure the Shah's army forced soldiers to take it. Like I think that's probably pretty par for the course. This curry, as you said, has an extra, you know, a little bit of an extra kick to it, we'll say. Yeah. 
there's a shot of Urazidi cooking and then moving so that he has his back between the other two and the pot as he like dumps in this vial of drugs into the curry stuff. Go ahead and everybody do the HP thing. So everybody gets half of your HP as normal plus an extra 1d6. And level up if you can. The last one. And I'm very intrigued by this. Kimmin, you are left with the Observer. So when you watch your surroundings at camp closely, roll plus con. I'm just going to roll it and then we'll set the scene a little bit after that. It's boxcars. Hell yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. I didn't even have a 12 for this one, but I should, huh? I mean, on a 12 plus, both. I think on a 12 plus, it's just like, I'm not going to have anything approach you guys. That's how I'm going to do it. That's fine. So we're still on the ridge, and I think that as dinner dies down, everybody's... We had an extremely emotionally charged day, and there's a bit of pause as we kind of think about having conversation, but nobody actually wants to talk to each other right now, you know? I think we've shared enough for the day, unfortunately. We spent the whole fucking day yelling at each other, and I don't think that we really want to talk anymore. And so Kimmin tells the other two to go to bed. He'll be fine as he props himself up on the hand and looks out for a minute. As they bed down, he kind of peeks over his shoulder at them, stands up and cracks his back, tests out his limbs a little bit, and starts finding footholds in the side of the ridge. And I'm going to get a good look around the area here. Oh, interesting. Rolling to get up, I think, is fine. You're going to be able to do it. The only thing is, like, you physically feel fine, right? And especially something like rock climbing is a very strenuous and focused task that you have to be very in tune with your body. All of that's good. But you do feel this constant dissociation from yourself. Like you're watching yourself climb up a cliff. That's why he's doing this is to see how he feels, right? Right. But yeah, you'll be able to make your way all the way up the ridge from here. So you're going to look around. I'll go ahead and give you survey the vulture lands for that. Sick. So when you spend some time scanning the dismal horizon for places of interest, roll plus one for each. Previous hit on a spot lore discern realities in the current location. I don't think you did that. No, I don't think so. A high vantage point or other means of farsight. I'll give you that. Yeah. The party is rested after camping for the night. No, um, we're not. We're in the. I I haven't yet. Right. A helpful or persuaded NPC is present. No. Anything else you can convince me that should help you? Do you have anything else? No. All right. So it'll just be the plus one then. It's an eight. On a seven through nine, choose one. You get a vague impression of all connected sites, or you get a detailed description of one connected site. Oh, I want a detailed description of one. I think I get a good look at something. Is that is that what I want? No, give us a vague impression of everything. I'm sorry. I think that I'm kind of just up there looking around. I don't think I'm trying to focus in on something specific. Okay. You can see down to the lake that you guys came from, obviously. That one's known to you. You see down below where you guys are camped out for the night, coming off perpendicular to the stairs, heads down to an open area. Up along the ridge in one direction, you see a depression or like a sinkhole, a splotch of darkness. And then in the other direction along the ridge, you see smoke. The open area perpendicular to the stairs, do you mean like a clearing or like an egress? It is back down into the plane. Okay. And then the last thing I want to do is we're going to talk to Bavadia for a minute. So Kimmin's up here for a while, idly looking around. I think he throws a rock at a couple harpies that are going out to roost, <laughs> turning the stone that holds Bavadia in his hand back and forth. So am I, um, <clears throat> you think I'm closer to you or farther away now? Huh. Melio said that you, um... You like to roll people together like a giant ball. Make a, <laughs> a new person out of them. Did you do that to me? Am I still me up here? He thumbs at the crack in the rock for a minute. Motions to throw Baba D off the cliff and then stops. Hopefully I can find some damn way to fix this. I don't want to be stuck here forever. I wish you'd fucking say something for once. Maybe you don't do anything at all. Maybe you're just a bug stuck in a rock. Oh, well. 
Kimmon sits alone at the top of the ridge for a while, and then slowly climbs back down. So before you climb back down, I was interested in giving you, for the scout, finding something useful. You talked about wanting to take chain lightning. I feel like that's an easy way to work that in, if that works for you. Yeah. Here's the thing. So, like, for the natural worldly spirits, it's not like the spirit catcher. It's I don't catch them. I can just make totems um, and bind the spirits in the area. Oh, I see. I just hadn't really interacted with this because of the weird nature of the the spirit realm here. Sure. And of course, as the thing says, there are other spirits here that I could find. That was also the thing with the whisper spirit was I can just I can just carve that. I just need the time to do it. Right. Well, I mean, a I think you kind of have the time right now if you're spending some time up here. Yes. Especially if you're kind of soul seeking a little bit, which you are. Sounds like it. I'm interested because this is kind of on the edge. Like the ridge is a jutting cliffside stone, right? That then leads into the Titan's Teeth that line this side of the Vulture Lands. The Titan's Teeth is what you guys came through when you originally crossed over. This is kind of the edge of the Vulture Lands. Since you're trying to get lightning, I'd be cool with like if Thunderhead is moving up the other side of the mountains and you can see it from here. That's fucking cool. Yeah, cool, right? It's like smashing up into the mountains and it's discharging on that side, but you can see it there and you can feel its presence just because you're kind of in this border of the vulture lands. No, that's great. And I see that and quickly fish in my pocket and carve a lightning spirit totem. What does that look like? Ah, damn, a lightning bolt's way too hokey. Oh no, lightning spirits aren't about the shapes, not like the whisper spirits. We have to make, or I made like a speaker, a lightning spirit. I have to just dash it against the rocks at the right time and hope that I catch it. You know what I mean? They like the raw edges of the glass before they oxidize. It's like timing. Yeah. Well, timing it with between with the, the thunder the and the lightning, too, I think is cool. Yeah, that's kind of fun. Yeah, and you don't have to roll to, to like get those, right? You just get them once it... Nope, nope, I just need the time. Sweet. Cool. So yeah, after you spend some time, I think, talking to your patron, as it were, or maybe it's more of your your anchor at this point, and then engaging with your magic and the spiritual energy that you can feel again pulsing on the other side of the mountains, which is something you've not really been feeling for a long time. And then, as you said, you make your way back down into camp, right? So you make your way back down into camp where I think the fire is burned down to embers at this point, right? Unless anybody has anything else that they specifically want to do. I do. Probably when Kimmon is up observing. And it's just me and Emilio. Urizidi fishes out a leather pouch that he got in the Land of Smoke, opens it up, and as I think the flames are starting to die down, he pours a handful of this stuff into the fire. For a minute, the fire gets brighter and is burning like a bright vermilion color, and then it dies down and becomes incredibly this like thick black smoke. Not sooty almost pleasant or a little intoxicating maybe more than pleasant and yeah i'm gonna charge my smoke covenant which is the new move that i took yeah we should talk a little bit about this yeah after last time we had you visit the land of smoke session before that actually and we decided that the most interesting way to get Rizidi more power that's coming from the Master of Smoke, the kind of secretive sect that his mother belongs to and that has imbued him with his sword magic powers. Uh, we're going to do this as a compendium class, which we are calling the Acolyte of Smoke. The trigger for activating this compendium class is uh, when you seek and are given an ember of the Master of Smoke's power, you can choose to take Smoke Covenant the next time you level up. When you do, you will find a beautiful black silk pouch filled with iridescent sand in your belongings. So we came up with this. The first move is Smoke Covenant. When you burn sand from the land of smoke in a fire and inhale the fumes before resting for a full night, your dreams are filled with prophecy. Gain two vision. Anytime after, you may spend one vision to turn a 6 minus into a 7 through 9, forfeiting the experience. Describe the dream that forewarned you of this moment. Each time you burn sand to invoke the Smoke Covenant, roll a d6. On a 1, the bag is empty and must be refilled by visiting the Land of Smoke. So that is what Uruzidi is specking into, as it were. Obviously, there are more moves as we go on. This Compendium class, we'll just put it up in the open notes access so if you guys back our patreon you'll have access to all of my notes for this game and it will include this compendium class in there so feel free to use it also i rolled the three so my bag still has sand in it 
Still got sand in the bag. Yeah, so go ahead and mark down that you have two vision. Anybody else got anything? Or are we going to cut to the morning? All right. Yes, the morning has come. The gray-green haze is a little brighter than it was at night. The three of you find yourselves now in this carved-out section of the ridge, right? But you finally have a full view of everything. And you realize behind you, along the back cliff face, is about an 80-foot-tall statue of a cyclops. Pieces of it have broken off, but it, like the broken boulders around you, is covered in a bright white pearl, coats the entire surface of this statue. It gleams, even in this hazy light. It seems to glow. Of course, one of its hands is broken off, but otherwise it seems, I wouldn't say ornately carved. This isn't something, you know, done by Ypsilanti. It is more primitive than that, but it is certainly massive and imposing. And it seems like no matter where you travel, the black gemstone eye that sits at the center seems to follow you as the three of you break camp. Do I know which Cyclops this is? Or like anything about him? Well, you've seen him. Is this the tyrant that I saw in my vision thing? Yes. This is the Conqueror King. Okay. Melio, you would also recognize him from your vision the prior day. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was just yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) Even in game time, like, so much has happened for us. No, yeah, we had a hell of a yesterday. (laughs) You went to hell. (laughs) (laughs) And a bunch of other planes. Yeah. I saw my black gates. Yeah, I guess we all have now. Great. Oh, I didn't think about that. Mm Mm-hmm. Did Kimmon tell us what's around? No. Okay. Kimmon, toast. What are we having for breakfast? I think Kimmon's got like a loaf of bread out that's probably at this point really hard. Oh, yeah. Gotta soak it in that curry in yep. order to like make it edible. Yeah, yeah. That's what he's doing. He's like cutting it off, frying the bread, and then putting some of this leftover curry that's heating up over the fire on top of it. Yeah, that's what's for breakfast. Better than nothing, I suppose. Better than nothing? I wasn't talking to you. Well, next time you can just cook for yourself, I guess. Did you sleep all right, Kimmon? When I slept, yeah, I climbed the ridge. That seems a little bit precarious in your current physical condition. You're a little banged up. That's why I did it. Wanted to see if it worked. (coughs) Trial by fire, I guess. JD, could you remind us the areas? I, I remember the clearing perpendicular to the stairs and the blackish area past the ridge. And then like a column of smoke. In the other direction, or the lake. I tell you guys about those. I don't, you know, I don't need to. What do you think makes the most sense in our direction going? Do we have any idea where we're actually trying to get to? Because, I mean, I guess I know conceptually where we're trying to get to, but it's starting to feel like we're just wandering around. And after last night, I think Urzi, he like kicks at the mummy's corpse. I'm not interested in running into any more things like this if we can help it. You said there was smoke, Kimmon? Yeah. Maybe somebody there. Signs of something. That depression might lead somewhere as well, but I'm willing to follow the smoke. Seems kind of primitive to do it, but we haven't seen a single person and dart my eyes back and forth looking at both of you. Since we got here. The, um, <clears throat> the rats. Came in gestures toward the mutilated corpse that we've swept out of the way. You saw more of those undead things? No, no. They were alive. Alive? Yeah, in the tower. Sentient? Yes. I spoke with them. As much speaking as one can do. They didn't seem interested in talking about much. They said we should leave. He's burying the lead, though. They trade. So they're somewhat civilized. Seems that way. Maybe we can get some info out of them with uh, the right trinkets. Well, I suppose that's at least a civilized foothold we can go back to if we need to. But you said they work in trade. We don't really have much, especially if they want material goods. My services, I give a mocking humble bow, are happily obliged, but... I assume they wanted something a little bit more real. And I put my 
middle finger pointer and thumbs together, you know, in the money gesture. They might have some boots for you, if nothing else. Wouldn't mind that one bit. Might be a little small, though. And I look over at the rat corpse. Is it even wearing shoes, JD? I doubt it. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah. Urazidi reaches down and starts undoing the wraps from around this mummy's feet. These should do until, you know, we find something more fitting. He's just like handing the bandages back. JD, is there any wood around here? Not really where you guys are at. Back around the lake there was. I know there was around the lake. I don't think I have any wood on me. Because I kind of want to make clogs. If you had adventuring gear, you could have some pieces of wood. That's fine. Oh, I do. I have two left. Yeah, I should do that just so I don't get myself into trouble. I take the leather wraps. I've got a little bit of wood in there to work with. Yeah, go ahead and mark it off. That's kind of what I'm going for. Wooden clogs, just so I have a hard sole to walk upon. Taking the wrappings and kind of wrapping them around my foot, making them into something a little bit more durable while we're climbing and walking. Yeah. Are you guys doing anything while he's making his shoes? In the light of day, the one skeleton just had some javelins. Javelins and a shield, yeah. But the other one had a couple axes. Yep, that's correct. How about the mummy? Urazidi, he's like searching around, like digging through the mummy's stuff. So the mummy has a silver collar draped. It's not really a collar. It's um, it's like a, you know, how a priest has like vestments. Like a stole. Sure. Then it has the ritual knife, um, and then it has a small covered pouch. It has a small pack, we'll say. What's in the pack? Urazidi undoes whatever's holding it shut. So inside the pack is a silver bowl and what looks like a doll, which is made of like stitched leather. It looks fairly dried out. Cool. Kimmin, are you grabbing anything? Grabbing anything? No, no. Urazidi, I think, brings one of these javelins and the shield over to you. Take them. Your knife's not worth much in an actual fight. Kimmin starts to protest, and I think you literally tie the shield on my back. Yeah, I think Urazidi, you're like protesting, and he basically like straps it to your back. Listen, any idiot can pick these up and use them. You just put that round wood thing in front of you, and you stick... The sharp part of this, you like thrust the haft of this javelin into your hands, into them. We've built an entire military style on giving these to idiots and having them march towards other idiots with them. It's foolproof, and it's better than a knife. Just imagine what a not-idiot can do with it when I give Kimmin, like, big eyes. How are these axes in comparison to my bearded axe? They are more decorative. They're finer quality, even though they're old. You would expect them to be old and beat up, but these must have been the pinnacle. Like, these were extremely fine weapons when they were made. They would have been extremely expensive. They'd be expensive now, for that matter. Yeah, I pull out my own bearded axe, and I'm sort of muttering to myself, were these bigger, or were they about the same size? Yours is, like, closer to a two-handed axe, right? Mm Mm-hmm. These are specifically shorter. They're weighted together to be used as a pair. Mm, cool. Craftsmanship seems up to snuff. And you said they're decorative and they're dwarven? You would recognize the lineage as dwarven. Yeah. Not any design that you would be familiar with, but if you saw these now, right, you would immediately recognize them as dwarven craftsmanship. So you do. Yeah, totally. Might be worth a little gold or even more to him. Maybe they tell a story I can't tell. I'll keister both of them. Nice. So the shield is just plus one armor. The javelins are normal. It's two ammo for the javelins. So they're thrown or reach. And then the axes, if you're using them together, it's plus two damage, plus two piercing. If you're using one of them, it's just normal damage. Cool. Uh, Do they have some cool, like, incomplete but complete together symbology written on them? If you flip them next to each other, so it looks like a double-headed axe, maybe, it would be a complete image across them. Yeah, I think that's cool. That's sick. Yeah, that's super cool. And it tells a little story, probably, that we'll deal with later. Cool. Anything else anybody's doing? Otherwise, you guys should probably start talking about where you're going. Oh, we're we're following the smoke, I think. Yeah. Oh, okay. I know the eyeball's looking at us, and I think it's unnerving all of us, but we know who that fuck is. I do kind of want to take the, the gem, but yeah, we've also spent enough time here, and we've kind of spun our wheels. Also, isn't the statue like 80 feet tall? 
Yeah. <laughs> the gem is probably about the size of you. No, yeah. Let's go. All right. Who is leading the way? This is taking the stairs up as they continue up the side of the ridge. I'm probably leading us, right, since I saw it. Yeah. So I think it's Kamen. As you are leaving the presence of this massive statue, you find yourself tiring more quickly than you feel like you should be. You are leaving something that it's like nagging at the back of your mind that, well, why would you want to leave that place of beauty, of wonder? And it's difficult for you to force yourself to continue up these stairs rather than turning. It'd be so much easier just to turn back and go back down. You guys could still camp there. It's still safe there. Give me a roll plus charisma as you tour the vulture lands. So seven. On a seven through nine, choose one. Find something useful or valuable on the way. You're aware of any potential active danger when you arrive. You do not encounter any ill effects while traveling. Don't draw unwanted attention while traveling. Yeah, I don't want to encounter any ill effects. Yeah. Everything else is just narrative juice. Ill effects is... Yeah, that would kind of bog us down. Yeah. You're able to pull yourself away, leading the group, and find yourself at the top of this ridge. Ahead of you a little ways, you see a spot of smooth stone. You see a large burning fire ahead of you. This is obviously the source of the smoke. It's built up like a log cabin. This is meant to be a long burning fire. Next to it is a hut, a small building made of gathered stones and mud. On the edge of the ridge, on the other side of the fire from the hut, there are some strange golden mechanisms or what look like ritual implements of some sort. They were, they have a strange sound to them, a vibration that you can feel maybe more than here as you approach. There are two figures. One sits at these mechanisms, and another one is approaching you. They both wear black robes, or cloaks rather than robes. Obviously well-weathered. Are they approaching us maliciously, or...? The one approaching you is unarmed, from what you can tell. They're not carrying any weapons, or they're not presenting any weapons, at least. Are they mummies, like the one we encountered last night? As they come closer, you can't actually see their face in the cloak. It is a lean, elvish face. As you all get closer to each other, you know, you have to travel a little distance on this ridge from the point that you can see it to the point that you're really approaching each other. But as you come close, they raise their lean, gangly hand. Um, Kimmon waves back as the gap closes. You're the first <laughs> people we've seen. Happy sight. It is unusual to have guests come from where you are coming. I am Navath. Why are you here? I am Urazidi. You just straight up shoulder Kimmin out of the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> I am Urazidi, heir of the throne of Rongerkam, first of his name, inheritor of the western wind, talon of the great rock. We are here to find the necropolis. When you mention the necropolis, Navoth's face grows pale, and they kind of frown, which looks strange on a face this long. Uh, and then your companions... Oh, uh, my retainers are uh, Kimmon and Melio. Looking annoyed. <laughs> well met. Wonderful to make your acquaintance. I... You say you're here to... I should take you to my master. Please follow me. Well, now we're getting somewhere. And Navoth turns and begins walking back towards this hut. Yep, Urazidi's going with him. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like we're following. Yep. This can't possibly end badly. No. I think we're all not tired in the sense that, like, obviously we rested, but we're too fucking tired to fight your bullshit right now. It's <laughs> like, whatever works. Let's just... Yeah, we're weary. <laughs> I feel like Urazidi's probably the only one who slept well last night. Probably. I'm just like, oh, yep, everything's fine. <laughs> Navath leads you to the campsite, to the fire. And as you approach, the figure who is sitting by these ritual equipments slowly stands up. 
They are gaunt, but not like tall and lean the way that their companion is. They're a little taller than you, but a normal average elf height. As they pull their cloak back, you realize, though, that uh, this figure has numerous scars. Part of its ear has been clipped off. Well, Navath, what have you brought me? Ah, this is Rosidi and their retainers, Melio and Kimmon. I am Kokal. They say that they are traveling to the necropolis. And Kokal frowns. Not an attractive feature on a face this ugly. Why would you be doing that exactly? Urzidi's not the wisest person, but I do think he has some guile. And Urzidi is realizing that these people might not want us to go breaking into the necropolis. I think he's getting that feeling from this elf. Why? To break the curse, of course. We wouldn't have come all this way and faced so many dangers for simple treasure when the common folk are so easy to swindle out of their hard-earned gold. Give me a defy danger plus charisma, I think. The danger stakes here are very low, but I just want to see if you're getting away with this or not. That's an eight. So he believes that your intentions aren't bad, but he doesn't like you, I think, is the the takeaway from that. That's Mm -hmm. totally reasonable. Yeah, wouldn't either. Yeah. Well, never mind for now. We were about to eat. Would you like to join us? And there is over the fire a freshly caught mountain deer stuffed with scavenged herbs and truffles. It smells excellent, even though you guys just ate leftover dry bread. Yeah, it smells more excellent, I think. It would be our honor to join you. Um, uh, uh, we can't stay. Kimmon is, like, gesturing behind us. Kimmon, I don't know. I don't think he has a good feeling about this. Also, we've discussed this before, that elves are not trusted in most of the world. Because most people probably have never seen an elf, right? We've discussed that before. Yeah, we have. Most of, I think, Kimmon's misgivings here would just be, where, have you guys seen a deer? Yeah. That being said, I feel like I'm the odd man out here, and I'm totally leaving it up for particularly ZD to tell his retainer to shut up, but I think Kimmon would be skeptical of a free lunch. You know what I mean? That's really all it comes down to. Ah, uh, gotcha. Now, Kimmon, we're hardly in such a great hurry. We have time for such an obviously delicious meal from such gracious hosts. Between the social pressure of ZD and the obvious barely contained hunger in Melio's eyes, I, I suppose you're right. Forgive me. <laughs> ZD leans in. Besides, we can pump them for information this way. Kookal motions and says, Navath, will you prepare plates for our friends? Please sit by our fire. He sits down. There are cleared circular stones at about six points surrounding the fire, level with the ground. They're not like posted up, but sitting on the floor. And Kookal takes a seat by one near the equipment. I'll, I'll sit next to them. Yeah, I think we all go take seats. I think we'll all take a seat. Cole Call doesn't say anything as the three of you are waiting. Navath goes into the hut and then comes and begins carving pieces of this deer off. How long have you been here? I was my master's apprentice here for 38 years. Then Navath joined me, and we have been here for 24 years. An apprenticeship. Is it in the... Any gestures towards... You said there were, like, gold implements that were along the ridge side. Mm-hmm. And making those for some purpose? Not making, repairing, and using. We monitor... 
What do you monitor, if you don't mind me asking? You called it the Necropolis. Does it change? Not yet. You'll have to forgive me. I am a simple man. Most things, most buildings don't change unless you wreck them. Why do you look at this and wait for it to change? It is not a building. You came from the statue, yes? Down the stairs? Yes. You have glimpsed the power there, then. I think he means the, um, rat and the skeleton. We ran into a fair bit of trouble, yes. Things there are not dead. It is not abandoned. It is... asleep. Navath hands you, I think, first, Melio, since you're talking, a plate of just super juicy deer steak, basically. I do love deer. Along with some of the herbs and mushrooms that it was stuffed with. The aroma is intense. Yeah, that rules. I like a good pungent deer carcass. Quickly followed by Uruzidi and Kimmin getting their plates. You'll have to forgive me a personal question, if that's all right. For though I am the retainer of him, I do come under my own pretenses to this place. You have been here for half a century or more. Did you ever uncover or see any connection between the Cyclopes and their ancient history and the growth into the culture of what we think of as the dwarves? I know they have been here on the outskirts of this place, and I come in the name of a more powerful warlord looking to understand his true origin. He believes it to be here. This is not a place of beginnings. This is the place where dwarves were almost destroyed, along with humans and elves. Whatever Cyclops molded the dwarves of stone and clay, they were not here. It was long before. The dwarves were slaves, as were humans, as were elves. We were molded to be slaves. I'd like to think I was molded to be more of a painter myself. Thankfully, the old god kings are no longer and our chains died with them. But you see, it must stay that way. JD, there is something I want to bring up about my character, which is that, like, so the main reason I'm here is, right, to find connections between the Cyclopes and the Dwarves. Angling from surface value of what I've gotten so far has been pretty, like, there's nothing here for you a little bit. And you might be, like, rolling on unreliable narrator, like, oh, that guy doesn't know or whatever. But is there a little bit more juice I can squeeze from this? Or do you want to try and take this from a different angle? Or what do you think? Because, like, my reason for being here is that, yeah. So, and I don't mean to shut you down. So this isn't interesting to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me know, I guess. But what I was picturing or what I was thinking is you have a patron that is giving you a task that it's not true. Dwarves aren't the descendants of Cyclopes. Uh-huh. And I'm interested in the conflict of you being a storyteller, but you needed to go here to collect things like these axes and such to present a legitimate story. And then you're going to have to create something to please your patron, whether it's true or not. But you're paying me, so... Yeah, that's interesting. I think that's where we're at. I wanted to see and make sure. You know, there's still potential for were the dwarves the third race that the Cyclops is made and therefore are the most perfect. Or were they the first race and therefore the most in their image? I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I would also point out this is the third creation story we've encountered in our game. At least. The third I can summon immediately. (laughs) So, you know, there's that. Yeah, totally. (laughs) As far as what's true, 
in big old air quotes, that is pretty malleable. Yeah, no, totally. I was pretty much from the get-go from the understanding, similar to JD, where it was like, you were going to make a story no matter what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's because you have to. If you don't, he's going to fucking kill you. Yeah. There's a good chance. You're not here because your patron's a nice guy and you really want to, like, represent him on the stage. You work for a tyrant who has made a demand of you that literally nobody could find evidence of, right? Right. Hey, he has he has, he has has a nice side. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, I find that a more intriguing dynamic. I think you're right. I needed to just talk that out a little bit. Getting that more desperate is great. And I mean, and everybody should reach this point in an actual adventure. If you were an actual human being who like cares for their own life, no one would go through with the dungeon. Yeah, yeah. Not a single person would. It's suicide. That's what dungeons are. Gross. Like, it's it's a bad <laughs> place to be. <laughs> yeah, that that's definitely the thing where it's like I get what the stakes of each of you are doing here, so I'm trying to find my own, and I I I feel like I've. That that's a nice actually it's it's a really nice kind of levelation of of blends of stakes right spiritual personal and narrative. Anyways, let's get back to it. I dig into my food. Erzidi has been watching and waiting for Melio to eat his food. Does he die when he eats his food? I was gonna say we're both waiting to see Melio eat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So yeah, as soon as Urzidi sees that Melio hasn't died, he also starts eating his food. I think I'm also, from where I'm sitting, I'm looking at these machines and trying to figure out what they're doing or what they do. By glancing at them, you're not going to be able to tell from here. They are certainly arcane, but you can't tell to what purpose. Are they old? Very. I think Urzidi has Talon leaning on one shoulder and gonna like lean back and grab the haft and try to channel some of that power from Talon to see into the past. I'm trying to see what they were originally built for. Using the magic of your glaive, please go ahead and roll spout lore. 12. So something useful and something interesting. You're seeing the initial establishment of this equipment here. And it is a group of elves all dressed in these black cloaks with black leather armor like Koakal wears and like Navoth is wearing. Some of them are setting this equipment up and others of them are fighting undead creatures, skeletons, mummies around this kind of area. And it's probably a few dozen of them. There is a number of constructed wood huts, like longhouses, basically, where they must be living up here on this ridge. And then you also see over time as this group of a few dozen dwindles slowly, but there's always individuals monitoring these instruments and writing on scrolls of vellum, some kind of information, some ongoing monitoring, like they said. And each time one is filled, they take it back into one of these old wooden huts that have become smaller as the years go by. Kimmin, as you're going to eat, bumping up underneath your elbow is a raccoon, sniffing at your plate. Kimmin smiles at the raccoon, looks around, sees if anybody's gaze is on him, takes this opportunity to unload the entire plate to the raccoon. I pocket a truffle. Yeah. I saw my black gates. Yeah, I guess we all have now. Yeah. Great. Oh, I didn't think about that. Mm-hmm. Not quite a TPK, but you still get the achievement for it, JD, I think. 
Okay, I'm glad we all did it. Yeah, but you just get the bronze version of the trophy. You yeah, know, you exactly. You got to earn that, the silver and gold. I'll take it. I don't like playing games on hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have to play new game plus to get the. Uh, not interested. Thank you. Your game was not that good. I would not like to play it a second time. Ain't nobody got time for new game plus. <laughs> yeah, people playing new game plus like. Fuck. Get in, Who the fuck are play you? A new game. Yeah. I, am, I am playing New Game exactly. Plus on Zelda right now, but that is because it is one of the best games uh, ever. Yeah, oh, you're playing Breath of the Wild, yeah. but Breath of the that's Wild, like New Game Plus, is actually rewarding. It's yeah. yeah, yeah, that's actually fun. But like, if you're just playing some fucking trash Ubisoft game, and you're like, oh, New Game Plus, like, no. <laughs> All <laughs> right, Driver San Francisco is legitimately great. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> a game from what? 2006. <laughs> you could have told me that was a TNT television show and I would have believed you. Driver San Francisco legitimately rules and it, it is a trash <laughs> Ubisoft game and that was I just this. <laughs> what good Ubisoft Black Flag Driver, Driver San Francisco and Black Flag also. But Driver San Francisco I'm serious. <laughs> this is a pirates this and cars. Is a they get it. of a video game. I feel like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you're a guy who dies at the beginning of the game, but then, like, on your deathbed, you get the ability to possess cars. It's. <laughs> So This is 100% a TNT now. television it's show now. super good. It fucking rules. Can you switch which cars you're controlling? Like, Of course you can. Uh, is this just Knight Rider? It's it's Grand Theft Auto, but you don't have to be some fucking person running around. You can just yeah, be cars. Just driving parts. <laughs> okay. God, you have bad taste in video <laughs> So games. good. It's actually good. <laughs> That's the kind of shit that I'm like, like obsessed we agree with on Dark so Messiah much. Might and Magic, which is subjectively a bad game, but I don't care. <laughs> I tried to get into the, the Might and Magic games. I think it's something you have to be into when you're a kid. No, Dark Messiah yeah. Might and Magic is the kicking simulator. <laughs> is the what? <laughs> the kicking simulator. The kicking simulator? It's a game where kicking things is the most effective move, and there are just spikes on walls everywhere and cliffs conveniently placed everywhere so you just go around you're like oh i guess i have to fight these orcs should i use my sword no i will just kick him into these spikes <laughs> actually that's it's fun it's i've seen a little bit of it it's, it has it's other cool awesome. things that are actually cool and then a, an absolute trash plot all right we'll do chimera plays i soon, really do let's get back to this game okay I will play Driver San Francisco. JD can play whatever <laughs> Might and Magic game it was. Disciple? I'll do a Pokemon Nuzlocke so we actually get viewers. That's Great. fine. Yep. You, you have to... Yeah, you can you can get the fucking tweens to watch your game, you fucking <laughs> Unfortunately, creep. Unfortunately, I don't have bad taste in anything, so I don't know wow. what Wow. It says King, what King of Rush. King Fucking Getty Lee is like, rock on, brother. You're I'm totally right. rock band tonight, guys. I have objectively good taste. Oh, 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 no. No, 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 no. Uh, the world does not want to watch Ryan tr suffer his way through a rock band game. And not oh, get off the first yeah. My big, my like big boulder now, hands so can't do it. So, <laughs> for, so let's for, start with Sweet Child of Mine. <laughs> let's watch Ryan easy and still not pass every song on the first oh, track. This, this might um, so surprise I, no one. At first I thought Chimera Plays would be us playing the games for other people. <laughs> They're just us playing the games for each other and making fun of everybody. That's probably yep. a better stream. <laughs> Come watch yeah, us make honestly, fun of our friends playing a video I would, game. <laughs> I'd get a Guitar Hero game, and I would I would stream myself just being fucking abysmal at Guitar Hero. <laughs> I will I remember always we had Beatles Rock Band in the house I lived in during college, <laughs> and Beatles, the Beatles. I couldn't yeah. get higher than medium difficulty on any oh. song. That's how bad I am at those fucking games. <laughs> so we we tried Chimera Plays, but then Ryan got out Rock Band. And there was there blood everywhere. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he cut his own dick off, and we don't know what happened. <laughs> we came back, and he said, "I'm rocking, baby. <laughs> Play tied, eight days tied, a week tied again." Around my head, dick bleeding, <laughs> just. Uh, he went a little crazy when they philosophically launched something at him so complex as eight, loving someone eight days a week. <laughs> There's only seven days. No a one week. knows what the chord is at the beginning, Zach. It's somehow a musical feat. It's, <laughs> it, it might be a C. It's true. And it might be a G. That's <laughs> oh, hard days, night. Oh, Whatever. Fuck yeah. that band. <laughs> 
I'm a fucking bunch of Disney Corporation beetle-loving motherfuckers. Let's get back to this game. Talk about my Pokemon Nuzlocke later. Oh. Um... That was awesome. <laughs> you can put that as your stinger, uh, bitch. <laughs> it's the morning. You guys recognize this Cyclops statue. Can go. Hey, that's a Cyclops statue. Fuck off. This is a podcast about nothing. All right. Get the cats into the box, somebody. Just herd them into the box. I, I'm Nathan, I'm going to need you to reach back, grab that knife bat. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just when we're like, we describe something that it's like, hey, look, it, it it's that thing. <laughs> There's no way to make it like gracefully transition from us describing what it is out of character to in character. <laughs> 